Good morning, good morning. You guys doing all right today? I understand that sometimes summertime is a reminder that we live in a place that reminds us that it's good to have salvation so we don't go to hell because hell is way hotter than anything that we're experiencing right now. But we can still be grateful, right, to be in the house of God, to be around our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's give God some glory in this place. Let's give him some praise. We're thankful. How many of y'all are thankful for AC? Amen. Praise God for AC. Well, we are in this, this series together, We Who Are. Started last week and, and talked about what it takes, uh, the core strength that it takes. What's at the center of who we are as a body of believers, not just us as a church, but, but principles we believe are important in any body of believers that makes them strong, makes them capable to do the things that God has asked them to do. A lot of it is centered around this verse in Romans twelve five. It says, We who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. I like the way that this translation says it. This is the New American Standard Bible. I like it how it puts this way because it's, it's not, it's, a lot of the other translations says we who are, or who we are is what it says, who we are, which is like a tab on a, on a website, like learn more about who we are. I like how it says this, we who are, like a declaration, like with we're confident that when we're obedient to what God has asked us to be, this is who he's called us to be. It's a declaration of a relationship that we have in Christ and also in relationship with each other. So I want to actually read a little bit more around this scripture, a little more context. In the message translation, it says, verse 4, In this way we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, a little gruesome here, okay? A little gruesome, a little bloody. We wouldn't amount to much, would we? So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts of Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. We live in a pretty interesting time when it comes to human relationships, because I find that it's, it's pretty easy to feel like we're connecting, but not really connecting. Connectivity is easier than it has ever been. Uh, we can see that, whether it's through social media, however it might exist. And it doesn't require a lot of depth. I mean, most of us, we can go on social media and just post random facts about ourselves or things that really just aren't that important, you know, a picture of the leftover ribs that you dominated at Ming Pig and like post out on Instagram. And, and what we're looking for though is we want people to respond to those things because it feels like when they're responding, that helps us find connectivity. And I think that's okay, but is it real connectivity? I find a lot of people are living on that, just that. 
just that level of connectivity, that that's all that they really want or are looking for when it comes to relationships. The truth is we're all desperate to feel connected and related to, and that's the reason why we post stuff like that. Last week we talked about how commercials depend on the marketing of relational fulfillment to sell their product, whether it's beer or pharmaceutical, drugs, whatever it might be. So they, they put this stuff out there, and it's like, look, look at those super cool, relevant, close friends having a blast together using their eczema cream. I mean, they're just... Like, I need that ointment in my life so I can have strong relationships and friendships. Even if you don't have eczema, you're buying that stuff. Because you want to have friends like the commercial shows. But sociologists say that despite the fact that there's more connection than we've ever had before, with more people than we've ever had, we feel more alone and unknown than we ever have in the history of mankind. Mother Teresa is noted as saying that America is the loneliest place on earth. I think that's a pretty interesting thought. How we define community, I think, in many ways has been skewed. Uh, Something is off in how we operate in a lot of cases, relationally speaking. So if we have more availability to relationship than any human ever, why is it that our relationships are not more fulfilling, long-lasting? Maybe some of it is because a lot of our relationships are simply built on commonality. Like, if you have something common in common with someone, like that is the premise of your relationship, and you, you build it upon that. But the problem is, commonalities, they shift and change just like we do. Because seasons change, hobbies change, similarities change, political interests change, age changes. Simple commonality is fine. It's fine. But can you build real, lasting relationships, biblical relationships, based on commonality alone? Well, when Cody and I were 25, before we had kids, uh, we had some friends that lived just down the street from us, and they, they actually still work in the church, um, and, and we're still very close friends to them, but our, our, our connection is a little bit different now, because when we were 25, like, we'd go over to their house late at night, binge watch some Lost episodes, you know, play a little Dr. Mario Brothers, Stay up talking about the mysteries of life until 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. Now we have four kids. If you want to hang out with us, you better find us a babysitter and have us home by 8. Like, because seasons of life change, so commonalities change. And like I said, we still have relationship with them, but, but it, it looks different. The truth is that the relationship we have with them is built on something much deeper than just that season of our life because it's centered around the body of Christ and what we do for the kingdom of God. And so that's what sustained that relationship, but I find a lot of people just don't have that. They don't have anything deeper than commonalities. Sometimes we build relationships just on hobbies alone. Like you hunt, they hunt, so you hunt. You fish, they fish, so you fish. 
You go to Razorback games, they like to go to Razorback games, so you go to games together. You run together, not like in a gang, but like literally run, like jogging, and so you think, so you run together. I used to love to run. I used to run like Forrest Gump, like everywhere. Now, I get sore, grumpy, and tired hanging Christmas lights. And, and so I don't really feel like running anymore. Plus, I found this verse in Proverbs 28 that says, only the wicked run when no one is pursuing them. And so I'm like, there's that. So, some of y'all are just, some, that's like the only thing you're going to hear today. That's an amazing quote. Yeah, it's biblical. Do not use me as an excuse for you not being healthy, please. But sometimes those things change. I'm thankful to pastor and attend a church that is different. Some of the strongest friendships and relationships I've ever had have been with people that are very different than me. Like my wife. We're different. But we have something that's built on a lot more than just what makes us similar. Similar interests that we have. I'm thankful that we attend a church that isn't just one race. Praise God for that. I'm thankful. I would never want to go to a church that's just all men. Good Lord. (laughs) Even scarier, I would not want to go to a church that's all women. (laughs) Okay. I'm thankful that we have differences in our backgrounds. We have differences in our opinions, political views. We have a lot of differences. We have differences even in the way that we approach our faith to God. We have a lot of different church backgrounds. Man, I mean, people, you don't understand how many different types of church backgrounds exist in this body of believers. I guarantee you, I can name every major denomination that you could think of. And they are attending this church. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we don't all come from the same background. We all come from, we have a different story. Like, I didn't come to Jesus waking up in the back of a four-pickup trunk after an all-nighter with a tattoo of a butterfly on my lower back and saying, I definitely need God. Like, that didn't happen to me. I got saved at seven years old at a Christian rock and roll concert. But I am thankful for the people that woke up hungover after drugs or alcohol or whatever it was, the Holy Spirit got your attention, got a hold of your life, got a hold of your heart, and you're a part of this body of believers now. I'm thankful for those stories. We need those stories because my story isn't going to relate to everybody. Like, yeah, man, I got saved at Mylon and Brokenheart back in 1987. You ever heard of them? Long mullets, lots of bright colors. It was awesome. Not a lot of people relate to that. Some can. Anybody get saved at a Christian rock and roll concert? Anybody in the place? There you go. That's why we need lower back tattoos of butterflies. Because some people have a story that needs to be shared. And we need that in our church. Even in a perfect world, God said, We need each other. In the very beginning, when God created the universe, he created the earth, he created all the living creatures, and he said, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. 
And you all know, look, God's definition of good and our definition of good is different. Like his definition of good is, no, it's like perfect. But he went through all of that and he said one thing was not good. And you have to understand, because he's God, when he says it's not good, it's really not good. And the one thing he said, it's not good, in Genesis 2.18, it isn't good for man to be alone. We need each other. We need relationship with one another. So today I want to talk to you about this, this idea of covenant community. And I want to break down what that means. God's relationship with us. If you are a believer, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, the relationship that you have with God is called a covenant. What does that mean? Well, the easiest way to kind of talk about it is to talk about wedding vows. Because when you go and get married, the the vows that happen in a marriage ceremony, a wedding ceremony, they're covenant. Vows don't say things like, if you're rich and healthy and good-looking forever, then I'll stay in this thing. At least, I hope that's not what you said. <laughs> Vows don't say, if, if you stay good-looking and make lots of money, and then, yeah, I, th- I think this could work. That's contractual. That's like, okay, if you'll do A, B, and C, and D, then, then I'll sign on the dotted line. We'll be good to go. Don't break the contract, though. It's not contractual. It's covenantal. Because this is what it's saying. It's saying, regardless, for better or worse, for richer or poor, whether you feel good or don't feel good, I'm in this. That's covenant. What we aren't saying is, if you do this, then I'm going to do this. But rather, I'm doing this so that all can be a part of this. I'm going to do this thinking not about myself, but thinking about everybody else. That's the relationship that God has with his church, and that is the example that he has set with us to have a relationship with other people, with one another. A covenant relationship means that we look not to what we can do to fulfill ourselves, but how that we can serve the whole, how we can be a part of the whole. In Matthew 16, 24, it says this, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. JFK, he said this famous phrase and quote in his inaugural speech, and a lot of you can remember this. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. And he goes on to say, my fellow citizens of the world, ask not what America can do for you, what together we can do for the freedom of man. He didn't know it. I mean, he was speaking covenant over our nation. He was saying, look, this is the type of mentality that makes us truly strong. Covenant language is different than contract language. Covenant language doesn't say, somebody better greet me when I get to church. Somebody better say hi to me. I haven't been greeted. I can't believe that. No one said hi to me. 
covenant relationship doesn't say, man, they didn't even have gluten-free hot dog buns at the fall fest. I just, they're so insensitive to my digestional needs. Covenant relationship doesn't say, I have to come to church 20 minutes early just to get a decent parking spot. Can't believe that. Covenant relationship doesn't say they only have drip coffee around here. I've been to churches where they got a full out coffee bar. Covenant relationship doesn't say that. That's not our posture. The body of Christ postures itself this way. I will park anywhere I need to park if it gives somebody else an opportunity to come to church and to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Covenant language sounds like, I'll help greet. I'll find somebody to encourage. I'm going to get outside of myself. We don't show up demanding. We show up being for the good of the whole. Looking for those opportunities. Look, man, if we could actually operate like this, there is nothing that we could not accomplish for God and for his kingdom. So we're going to go back to kind of the theme scripture of this series. And I want to unpack some of, the, some of it in context that we read at the beginning of my message. I want to talk about what is covenant community? What does it look like? First of all, it's connected. Covenant community is connected. Romans 12, 4. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. So in other words, what this is saying is the church is not just a place that you come like a movie theater so that you can watch a Star Wars film and then leave with little or no interaction with anyone else that's there. I'll do that sometimes. Like Sometimes like, hey, Cody, I'm going to go to the movie with so-and-so. Like, why do you do that? You don't even like build relationships. She doesn't understand you. Sometimes with dudes, you need the movie to open up conversation. So we'll watch the movie, and then we'll talk afterwards about life and everything else that's going on. But the truth is, she's right. Like, you go to a movie. Just going with my good friend. We're going to go watch a movie together. And then you don't talk. You don't even deepen the relationship. But some of y'all come to church and do the same thing. Like, you don't. Your relationship didn't get any deeper. Church is not like a class where you come and get a lesson, but your whole motive of being there is just to learn so you can earn more later on. That's not what church is. Church is this living, breathing. It is the body of Christ. And so you have to understand that the church is not this right now. The church is everything else too. It's what happens outside of these four walls. It's what happens Monday through Saturday. That is the church. That is the body of Christ. God has called us to be connected to it. The church is a connection. It's relationship. Together we are the bride. Last week I talked a little bit about how we have to unveil ourselves to be real so that we can enter into true covenant with Jesus, the groom. The truth is, beyond that, it's important that we're, we're not alone. 
Christ died for you, and Christ would have died for you if you were the only person on this planet. It turns out, though, that there's a lot of other people he died for, too. There's a lot of people. And we want to add more and more people to the body of Christ, to the church. We need each other. Because when we are hurting or other people are hurting, we won't know if we're not connected. When we're connected, we know. How many of you ever been up in the middle of the night, especially if you have kids, you know how this is, and you stepped on a Lego, and all of a sudden, it tests your salvation? Like, you're like, oh man, I thought I was a good Christian, and then I stepped on that Lego, and I realized I've got a lot of Lego demons, and they cause me to say things that are not appropriate. Or you, or you stub your toe. You stub your toe, especially your little toe. There are some big, tough dudes in this place. But I guarantee you, you jam your little toe, and all of a sudden, you're not so tough anymore. You will find yourself in fetal position, asking for your mommy because it hurts. I remember one time I woke up. How many of you guys know what Chaco sandals are? Chaco sandals, anybody? Okay. They're a little more popular now. But I got up in the middle of the night. It was dark, and I had been wearing Chacos that day, but I left my Chacos next to my bed. Now, Chacos are amazing, but they are also strapped instruments of trapping death, <laughs> if you don't know where they are, because they grip the ground. So I got up to use the bathroom or something, and my little toe caught one of the straps in the Chaco. And so I tried to move forward, but my little toe was snared in the chaco of death and was not coming with me. And my little toe reminded me that it was a part of my body. And it needed me. Sometimes you're going to be a little toe. And you're going to be trapped, and you're going to be hurt, and you're going to be bound up. And if you refuse to be connected, the rest of the body won't know that you're hurting. So you have to be connected. Since we're part of the same body, we we have to understand everyone's weaknesses and strengths and hurts and how it affects us all. It says in 1 Corinthians 1.10, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there are no divisions among you, but that you are perfectly united in mind and thought, connected. You're connected. You ever play that game where you look at a, a close-up picture of something, and then you try to guess what it's a part of? Like, you try to guess what the whole picture is? Let me give you an example. It's this picture. I want you to guess, like, what, what is that? How many of y'all think that it's a, a red bell pepper? How many of y'all think that? When you, that's the first thing you know. That's what I thought, too. Somebody earlier said it looks like lips. I'm like, your lips got, like, some, like, might want to have those spots checked out. Huh? <laughs> Not sure what that is. But it's just really focused in. You can see the imperfections. You can see every little detail, but you probably wouldn't have guessed that this is actually the lid 
and the cap of a Coke bottle. And that's what this verse is talking about. Every one of us is just a small portion of a bigger picture. It's a fraction of the whole. We are, though, a unique and important ingredient to the overall recipe, for sure. But the problem is, too often we're just focused on ourselves. Just a very small picture. To understand who we are, though, we have to seek to understand Christ and his church, not gain more focus on defining ourselves, but allow Jesus to define who we are. Let the body of Christ define who we are. It says in Ecclesiastes 4.9, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. The reason why it's so important that you see that you are a bigger part or a small part of a bigger picture is because when you are hurting, you're going to need somebody to notice that you're hurting and be able to lift you up. But it's also because there's something that you have that the body of Christ needs. And I've seen some people with incredible gifts, and I believe a God given dream but they try to get it done on their own when God wanted them to do it with and through the body of Christ. And they would have been way more successful if they would have done it that way. It says in 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, just Bible reading tip, anytime the Bible says above all, pay attention. Love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. You have something we need. We have something you need. This mom was making pancakes for, pancakes for her two sons, Kevin and Ryan. And while she's making the pancakes, the boys are arguing over who's going to get the first pancake. And so the mom decided to use it as like a teaching moment. She said, boys, boys, like what if, if Jesus was here? Let's pretend that Jesus is here. You know what Jesus would do? Jesus would say, no, I'll wait. You have the first pancake. And he would, he would make sure that he put the other person for himself. So the older brother looked at the younger brother and said, hey, Ryan, you be Jesus. And, <laughs> When you don't understand your need to be connected to the body of Christ, I will find that you will spend more time judging whether or not somebody else is being Jesus to you than focusing on whether or not you're being Jesus to them. When you don't understand you're a part of a bigger picture, you're connected. Covenant community is intentional. It's intentional. Another way, another way to say this is it's on purpose. It's on purpose. Everyone ends up somewhere relationally. But not everybody ends up somewhere relationally on purpose. This is something that you have to be intentional about. Like, I didn't accidentally get married. I hear that happens in Vegas sometimes. (laughs) But not my case. Like, I was very intentional. 
about getting married. Contrary to popular belief, you don't fall in and out of love. You choose to love. It is a choice. You have to be intentional about it. The kind of love that Christ has for us was intentional. It was on purpose. Jesus didn't die on the cross on accident. He was intentional with everything that he did. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There is a purpose that every one of us was created for in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us. It's intentional in advance for us to do. Now, except for some Pinterest person being able to figure out some cool craft to do, that Coke bottle cap without the bottle is useless. It serves no purpose. <laughs> like he, the cap going around, where's my body? No, it's, it serves a purpose only because it's connected to the bottle. And it's the same thing in our relationship and our purpose. Apart from the body of Christ, we will miss our eternal purpose. You'll miss it. So Romans 12, 6, back to our main text. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we were made to be without endlessly or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to be something we aren't. Covenant community is supportive and encouraging. Supportive and encouraging. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. I can't tell you how many stories and testimonies there are of people being in a tough spot or or just amazing loss in a serve group or a life group was there and showed up. I tell people that all the time, like... My win as a pastor is when I can step into a situation or hear about a situation and show up where there's a need. Someone needs to be encouraged and someone needs to be supported. And when I get there, a life group is already there. I love that. I love it when the life group leaders or the life group members look at me like, what are you doing here, big boy? We don't need you. Get out of here. Like, we got this. I love that. So many stories people losing loved ones, their life group being there, making sure they had meals for weeks, people having to unexpectedly move, and people showing up, and helping them move, and taking care of them, practical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs, the body of Christ showing up and encouraging and supporting over and over and over and over again. And there will be times in your life when you are stuck. You could be stuck in addiction. You could be stuck in some other habitual sin. And I find that it's really, really difficult to get unstuck when you're by yourself. Many years ago, I was at the sand dunes in Colorado 
was amazing. If you ever get a chance to go to the great sand dunes, it's just crazy. These mountains of sand. And so we're up playing on the sand dunes, and I found this spot. Like, I, I wanted to be buried up to my neck, but standing up. You know, just because dudes do stuff, stupid stuff like that. But, so I found this spot where it's like a, this low spot, like this funnel in the sand that was already kind of deep. And I'm like, well, I can do it there because, like, nature's already kind of done some of the work for me. And so I get in there, and, and a couple guys just start, you know, pushing sand in around me. And, and I got buried, like, pretty quick, all the way up in the neck, standing up. So then we started to try to unbury me. Problem was, I picked a funnel to get buried in. So every time we tried to move the sand away, more sand would come in. And so they tried pulling me out of the sand. Guess what shoes I was wearing? (laughs) Chaco straps of death. So there's no way I'm just slipping out of that sand. Like they'd have to pull my legs off of my body to do it. And so originally I just had like a, like a couple buddies around me. After an hour, I had about 10 people around me. After two and a half hours, I had 30 people up there <laughs> getting ready to call search and rescue. I'm like, please don't. This is going to be on the news and I'll never live it down. <laughs> but it took all those people to finally get me free. At one point or another, you're going to be stuck and you can't get free by yourself. You're going to need somebody there to help you. God's got a life group for that. God's got a serve group for that. It's so important that you find it. A verse that we we talk about a lot in an attempt of helping you understand like you you can't just you can't just be you and God. And, and it's not always enough just to be you and your family. Sometimes you need more than that. The Bible says, like, if you'll confess your sins to God, you confess where you're trapped to God, he can forgive you. But the only way you're going to get free is when you confess your struggles and your sin and the places you're trapped to other people. That's when you really get healed. That's when you find wholeness. You're going to need a group of people around you. I feel that it's impossible to live right when you're not surrounded by the right people. And you may have a lot of people around you, but are they the right people? Are they the body of Christ that you are connected to through Jesus Christ? And are they encouraging you? So a question I ask a lot, why don't people get involved with life groups? And here's some of the reasons that I've heard from people. First of all, it's just not my thing. It's just not my thing. Small groups are just not me. James, you like people. I don't really like people. I don't want to hang out with people. I don't want to go to some stranger's house and talk to strangers. And I, I don't want those strangers calling me and following up with me. It's just not my thing. Okay, so it's not your thing to be encouraged. It's not your thing to find purpose. Look, I think maybe what you need to do is you, you need to go to Home Depot and you need to buy a ladder and get over it. Because 
Because the, body, because the Bible is pretty clear. This is what we are called to do. These verses are not like, well, if you think it's a good idea. No, it's like direct. Like, you're meant to be connected to the body of Christ. You need to do this. This is a part of God's plan and purpose for your relationship with God. I know that was a little bit punchy. But here's the deal. When you were seven, your mama told you not to talk to strangers. We're way beyond that now. (laughs) It's time. (laughs) You can talk to people and even strangers. Because here's the thing. That stranger has something you need and you have something they need. And you need to be able to share it. Another excuse. Christians, Christians can be weird and judgmental. I totally get that. I understand that excuse. But this is a fear-based. This is just like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Because Christians scare me. They scare me sometimes too. Some of y'all, scary people. But I understand because you think like, you know, maybe you don't have context or you have a negative context where life groups are. So you think, man, I'm going to show up to this person's house, these people I don't know, and I'm going to walk in and they're going to have this room where there's a circle of chairs and a chair in the middle. And that's my chair. And they're going to make me sit in that chair and confess all my sins. And they're going to keep digging until I've told them every embarrassing thing that has ever happened. And then they're going to pray for me. And there's going to be a guy screaming in my face with a cross, trying to cast demons out. And my head's going to spin around. I'm going to spit out pea soup. And it's just going to be really embarrassing. And at some point, we're all going to hold hands and pray. I don't like holding hands with strangers. And then they're going to squeeze. I don't know what the squeeze is about. But it's just weird. Or you're going to be judged. Because your life, your marriage, your kids, your whatever, don't measure up like you think they should. Or what you're afraid that they think it should. C.S. Lewis said this, Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, What? You too? I thought I was the only one. The truth is, there is not one unique issue in this place. Somebody else has the same issue. We all have issues. If you don't think you have issues, that's your issue. I'm a pastor. I have issues. That's why I have a life group. Because they help me. They encourage me. They support me. Another excuse, I've just got way too much going on. This is a pretty common one. Way too much going on. So my question to you is this. What real and enduring relationship has ever been formed and made healthy in your life when you are traveling at Mach 3? It doesn't. You've got to slow down. You've got to slow down. It says in Luke chapter 12, what I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. Not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. Oh, man. 
Back that up. You are missing out on some of the best that God has because you're so busy trying to get for yourself. You're just, we're missing it with getting. So you can just respond. God's got some stuff, but you're so busy getting, you can't even respond to what God is trying to give. People who don't know God and the way that he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. So steep yourself in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Whew, this is strong. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. You're my dearest friends. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. But you've got to be able to rest. You've got to be able to slow down. When you read through Psalms, sometimes in between the Psalms, there's this word Selah. Selah. Like, what is that? Selah. It means rest, pause, slow down, think, consider, meditate on the things of God, meditate on what He has for you, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What does He have for you? Our promise is this. If you will get into a life group, if you'll get into a serve group, I believe, look, you can't have deep covenant relationship with every person, but you can have covenant community in mindset and in effort. You can have that. And I promise you, if you'll do this, you will have people that'll pray for you at least every week. If you find this, if you will do this, you will learn more about Christ and you will be known. You will be known. And this, that's important. How many of y'all gathered that I suck at remembering people's names? Anybody in this room? Okay, I just want to hint you in on this. I'm really bad at it. Maybe one of the worst that you've ever met that's a pastor. And I'm really sorry about that. I, I, I promise you, I am intentional. I will be on Facebook a few hours every week not because I'm really interested in all the news feeds, but I'm trying to put people's names or their faces because I'm horrible at this. Like, I, I would love to go old school Baptist and make every one of you wear a name tag when you come into church. <laughs> like, name tag, don't it. Go sit. You know, that like, I, 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 because I'm not good at this. But this is what you have to know. It can't be about me knowing your name. But somebody needs to know your name. And I believe if you will let yourself Get into a group. There are going to be people that know you and know your name and know a lot more than that. You'll be connected. You'll have purpose. You'll have a place of encouragement and support. I promise you if you'll do that. And the reason why is because this is not going to be a pulpit-led church. I'm not going to do it. Sorry. Refuse. Been there. Seen that. Not interested. This is not going to be built around the personality of Pastor Rick, myself, or any other preacher. This is going to be built as a body of believers who live and breathe and function and live, not just in church services, but in every area of life. The ups and downs, the ebbs and flows, the mountains and the valleys. That's who we're going to be as a church. You have to see 
that you're a Coke bottle lid. But you need the Coke bottle to have purpose. You've got to be connected to that. We want you to grow. I'm not going to spoon feed this church. None of the leaders or pastors are. There's a part of this where you have to pursue it. You've got to want it. It's discipleship. The root word of discipleship is discipline. You've got to choose some of these things. You've got to be self-fed too. You've got to learn. You've got to grow. You're not going to get enough from me in 35 minutes on the weekend or today, 43. You're going to have to learn outside of that. It's one thing to say my church is cool. Look, that just does nothing for me. It really doesn't. I mean, it's like, I'm glad you think our church is cool. It's something completely different. You say, you know what? We, we like the church. We enjoy the services. But my marriage was broken. And we didn't think we were going to make it. And one of our kids was rebellious. And I was bound up in addiction to pharmaceutical drugs. But we stepped out and we got plugged in to a life group and to community. And we built trust. We built relationship. We found a couple people that we could have deep covenant relationship with, that we could share our, our trials and our struggles and our sins. And they encouraged us and they held us accountable and they spoke life into us. And it saved our marriage and it saved our kids. And now we have purpose. That is something that is eternal. That's something that that God wants in every one of our lives. He wants it in your life. We have life groups. You can sign up for today. We have serve groups that are just, in in many respects, they're just as strong as community as our life groups are. They're just people that know you and support you and encourage you and speak life into you, pray for you. I would encourage you. You need community. You need community. Let's pray together. Some of you need to take a first step. You you don't even have covenant relationship with God. And the covenant relationship with God, it starts with you accepting what Jesus did on the cross for you. It starts with you saying, look, I, I know that... <laughs> that he has created me to be a part, but until I recognize how, until I recognize who, I know that I'm, I'm not finding my purpose. I know that apart from Jesus, I can't find salvation. I can't find forgiveness of my sins. I can't find those things. If you're here today, And you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus. You're ready to make him your Lord and your Savior. You're ready to enter into covenant relationship, the the most important relationship that you could have. If you're ready for that, or maybe you, you feel like you just need to come back to him, you're away from him for whatever reason. If you're either one of those people, I'd love to pray with you this morning. And I'm just going to ask if the Holy Spirit is stirring you in your heart for this, do you just be obedient?
I'm not going to embarrass you. But I'm going to ask you to be bold enough just to, to admit and confess that that's you. As a brother in Christ, I just want to pray with you and agree with you that you can have relationship with God through his son, Jesus, today. If that's you, please put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. But you need a relationship with Jesus today. Any person in this room? Yeah, got it. Yes, got it. Thanks, man. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus today. I need to rededicate my life to him. Thank you. Got you there at the back. Thank you. Thanks for being bold with that. Praise God. Anybody else? I need a relationship with Jesus. Okay, got it. Thank you. Okay, those few folks that just raise your hand, just talk to God right there in your chair. You don't need to worry about whether or not you're saying all the right things. It's the posture of your heart. It's just where... It's just being real. It's being sincere. But it's you confessing this. It's you confessing that you know that you've made a lot of mistakes. You've done a lot of things that are not according to God's will, His plan and purpose, and those things are called sin. So you're confessing that you are a sinner, but it's also you believing that Jesus, He came as a perfect sacrifice for your sin. It's you believing that He died for your sin. He didn't stay dead, though. He defeated death, the grave, and your sin. He rose from the grave. And he promises that if you will confess, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, then you have a hope for eternity with him in heaven. And just ask him to heal you, to change you. And commit in your heart that you're going to change you're going to live according to his will, his plan and purpose. You're making him your Lord. You're putting him in charge. And you're going to repent. You're going to stop and turn away from living the way you've been living. And by his grace and according to his will and his word and the leading of his Holy Spirit, walk in his plan and purpose for your life. Father, I thank you for the few people that just made that decision, that are having that conversation with you right there in their chair. I pray, God, that you make them bold to go public with that decision, God, eventually through water baptism. But even after the service, Lord, they just share with somebody, hey, I made a decision to follow Jesus today. We thank you for their lives. We thank you, God, for who they are as a part of us. God, I pray that every single person here will not just attend church, will not just come to services, will not just check off a box, Father, that all of us would see we are connected to the body of Christ and we need one another. And that in that and understanding a bigger picture, we find our purpose. We find encouragement. We find support. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Counted four people that raise their hand to give their life to Jesus. Come on, let's praise God for that. We love you guys. Welcome to the family.